Lord, most holy Father in heaven, thank you so much for providing a holy and sacred Sabbath day of rest. We can put away the cares of this life and just bask in a relationship with you. Just pray now that you would uh, eclipse me, that uh, the words that come out might be words that you will use to draw others to you, to see your kindness, your mercy, your praise, and your glory and honor. In Jesus' name, amen. So, coming back to the thought again, how did Jesus make the spiritual tangible to us today? Restoring the parables. He spoke in parables. He spoke in stories so that all along the way of life's journey, when he was long gone, people would be able to look back. Oh, I remember. He said something about the sower as they saw the, the man out in the field planting. And they would recall that lesson. So far this week, we've talked a little bit about the wedding service. It's maybe kind of a parallel or parable about his second coming. So next time you go to a wedding, what are you going to be thinking about? Oh, he's coming. It's coming, and it's soon. We can tell because the activity levels have ramped up in the world around us. We know that the event is almost here. Yesterday, we talked about the wedding garments. The only garment in our wedding today that has symbolism is the bride's dress, her garments. This, the symbolism is in that. We went to uh, Matthew 22 about the parable of the wedding garment. It's an issue of character. When we behold that bride walking down the aisle, do we recognize in there a responsibility for us as the bride of Christ to be putting on that white wedding dress? It's our character that he is most concerned about. And in that dress is a call for all of us to be putting thought into what we are bringing to Christ and not just sitting there expecting his, him to shower us with blessings like, you know, kind of a weird notion of Santa Claus. Just, you know, we've been good and so he's going to bring us presents. You know, that's, that's a crazy thought. And we also mentioned the bride's veil is, is representative of a very deep and significant relationship that we have with our God. And it's, you know, it's in those moments that the character is developed by abiding in him. How many parables did Jesus give that it was in that abiding that the relationship is developed and you become more Christ-like in character. So today, let's take the, let's take the uh, chronology just a little bit further. We started at the wedding, but, but really, does the, does the relationship start at the wedding? No. It started way long time ago, right? And, and see, this is the beautiful thing. God created in us 
as male and female, completely different ways of thinking and acting and behaving. Now that has been corrupted by sin, right? But in its, in its best, most positive context, why did God create within the male mind to be the initiator, to initiate the relationship? Who are we to represent as men? Christ, right. And so we read in the Bible that before we even knew it, while we were yet in our sins, Christ died for us. Amen. He looked upon us before we even knew he existed. And he's like, there is something I want. You, we, can, we can find that sentiment in Ezekiel 16. He, he, draws, he drives, uh, draws a picture for us walking down the road. And here's this little child cast off into the, into the gutter. He says, I saw you. And I took you home, and I cleaned you up, and I, I raised you. And you became a beautiful woman. And the time came for love. God put it within our hearts. We notice her across the campus or wherever it is, and it's like, hmm. And we start planning. How are we going to cross paths with this person I want to get to know? Because that's what he did. He woos us. He draws us to him. He puts himself in our path so we can see his character and that he's trustworthy. And then comes the relationship. It draws closer together, the wedding. The, the announcement. I introduce to you Mr. and Mrs. She belongs to him. Then we talked a little bit yesterday about the reception. That's when the, the two companies, the bride's family and the groom's family, they meet, they intermingle, they're, they're together. What's next? The honeymoon. The honeymoon. <laughs> okay. Now, again, like any parable, I mean, I suppose, you know, somebody could just take this to the nth value and, and, and really kind of get strung off, but... But there are so many parallels that are, I think are beautiful to this. One of the things that the groom really has to think about in the preparation for the honeymoon is how do I keep my heckling friends from following us? I mean, isn't that kind of something that we do in our society? Let's follow him, you know. And, you know, so he's got to give that a thought. And... Well, I know this is just the tiniest little thing that just kind of hit me this weekend is the bystanders will not be following Christ and his bride home. Um, okay, let's go on. <laughs> um, so the honeymoon, what's that all about? Does it have something to teach us today? If you turn to Deuteronomy 24, Deuteronomy 24, verse 5, it says, When a man has taken a new wife, he shall not go out to war, neither shall he be charged with any business, but he shall be free at home one year and shall cheer up his wife, which he has taken. 
Hmm. What can we learn from that? I looked up that word in the Strong's, cheer up. He shall cheer up his wife. What is that word meant? So I looked it up. It means to brighten up, to make blithe. I think that's a fun word. Gleesome, to cheer up, to make glad, to make joyful, to make merry, rejoice. Okay, so put those words into this verse. What is, do we use that word blithe much today? What does the word blithe mean? That's what I asked myself last night. It's like, okay, remind myself. Light and joyful? <coughs> joyful merriment. And it also said, see the word bliss. So, okay, so I went over and I looked up the word bliss, which means the highest degree of happiness. Wow. Can you see any of these words having anything to do with the honeymoon? Yeah. So think, you know, most of us can't take a year off for a honeymoon, you know, when we get married. Unless you're independently wealthy, I guess. But let's just kind of chase this a little bit. If money was not an issue, and if you had it to do over again, where would you go if you were to plan a honeymoon? Any ideas? Where would you go? Tropical island, okay? Yep. I was thinking Hawaii, Bahamas, Tahiti, Fiji. the mountains, Fiji, the Maldives. You know, when I ask people this question, it almost overwhelm always overwhelmingly goes to somewhere warm, <laughs> somewhere tropical, somewhere beautiful. You know, usually there's a beach involved. That is in our mindset is, let's go somewhere like that. So what if there was a place like that, that you're, you're doing this planning, you're at the travel agent, you're looking through the catalog, and you find this place that's beautiful, it's tropical, it's warm and sunny, it's got four-star accommodations, but not in the form of this great big colossal hotel and you're just this little pigeonhole but it's four-star accommodations in this little cabin way out at the end of a very small road with your own private beach it's just big enough for two of you okay <laughs> the the grounds around this little cabin right on the beach are planted they're groomed and it's just rich with, it's just a garden of color, heliotrope, thimbergia vine, all these things, orchids, and just all this stuff just, just bulging into the paths all around this cabin and the, the, the path out to the beach. Tropical birds are everywhere. Now, tropical birds, they're mostly brown and just all one size, right? What do you know about tropical birds? They're beautiful in color. What colors do you not find in tropical birds? Earth's own dead. Earth's own The same colors that you do not find in the flowers. Every color of the rainbow is in the flowers, in the tropical birds. You know, and you can keep going. Tropical fish are mostly like brown trout, right? Just 
long and brown, right? No? No, not at all. Tropical fish in the, in the pet store look like what? Wow. Neon, bright, shining colors. And so the little stream going into our bay has the tropical fish in it. We go snorkeling out there, and, and it's just this beauty, this everywhere tropical butterflies. Oh, our butterflies can look pretty nice around here, but what are the ones called that, that have the, the, the metallic blue, the azure? What are those butterflies that are just this just incre incredibly brilliant metallic blue, in, yeah, I guess, in the Amazon? But all this color all around you moving, hmm, wow. And yet, in all this scenario I painted, it's hardly noticed. Why? Because you're there with the person you love. All of this grandeur around you pales and just drops off into the background because you're with the person that you love. It just becomes the frame around the picture of the relationship. Before I go on, I guess I'll stop before you think, um, excuse me, before you think I'm trying to cook up a romance novel here. <laughs> and you might be thinking, well, you know, that sounds nice and it'd be fun, but you don't realize who I found out I'm married to. Is it always like that for us today? You know, sometimes not. Satan is doing his best to, to obliterate this picture. You know, and it kind of makes me laugh because when Jeannie and I took our scores, our, our tests, when we were doing counseling before we got married, um, the scorecard looked pretty, pretty interesting. <laughs> I mean, the, the two lines just went like polar opposites. But can the, can the Lord do things with us if we give ourselves to him? Amen. Yeah, he can. There is a God of miracles that can bring two hearts together, right? And create this dynamic equilibrium that under his shadow can be marvelous. Yeah. It depends on one thing, that you submit yourself to his healing and his repair. So going back to our picture there of the, the tropical beach, can you see that with a little more detail, we could be describing the new earth and eternity with Christ? Think about that. Why is it that within our minds, without even thinking about it, in a way, I think each of us, when it comes to the thought of a honeymoon in our minds, are trying to recreate something in miniature that we're going to be experiencing in the future if we're faithful? Think about the new earth. When God created this planet, what do you think it looked like? Do you think that there was much different, difference in the atmosphere of heaven and the earth as it came out of the Creator's hand? They were probably very close to the same place, weren't they? 
And think about it, Adam and Eve's, the first day of their honeymoon was what day? The Sabbath. The first full day that they got to spend with Christ was the Sabbath. Hmm. We'll come back to that thought. Why did God create in us the capacity to love so deeply it makes us ache? Because again, like I said earlier, two days ago, how does a God who's infinite in all aspects try to get a created being to understand his capacity of love for us? The example I used was, how do I get Windows 7 to download into my little pocket calculator? You just can't do it. It does not have the physical capacity to do it. But what the what the calculator does have the physical capacity to do is to count very high. I mean, the, the, the pocket calculator can do numbers really well, right? So I was playing with my, my little calculator one day, seeing how I could calculate the, the biggest number before it just goes into error and overload. And uh, on mine, if you push 69 and then the little factorial button, the screen blinks out for about two seconds. And then it comes on with a number that's like 5.2 times 10 to the 69th power. That is a really, really big number, okay? But that pales in eternity. Okay, so God is, he has to do the same thing in our minds. How do I get these people that I just created to understand my connection, my love for them? The only way I can do it is put within them the ability to see somebody else and just melt. In the concept of love, in the concept of a relationship, he says, and I'll jump ahead here a little bit. In the book Steps to Christ, page 10, God has bound our hearts to him with unnumbered tokens in heaven and earth through the things of nature and the deepest and tenderest earthly ties that human hearts can know, he has sought to reveal himself to us. Why did he create in us love so deep we ache? Why did he make us free moral agents with the capacity of choice? Those two go hand in hand because the capacity to love is in direct proportion to the capacity to choose. You can't, you can't coerce and you can't co force love. And so he has created us in a way that love becomes, when it's sanctified, our passageway to understanding who he is in character and what he wants for us. The choice is ours to be the bride or the bystander. What do you want to be? If you're the bystander, you don't go to the honeymoon. <laughs> don't go on the honeymoon, right? Let's go on. In Great Controversy, chapter 42, entitled The Controversy Ended, page 677, we read this statement. 
speaking of eternity in heaven, there the redeemed shall know, even as also they are known. The love, the sympathies which God himself has planted in the soul shall there find its truest and sweetest exercise. The pure communion with holy beings, the harmonious social life with the blessed angels and with the faithful ones of all ages who have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb, the sacred ties that bind together the whole family of heaven and the family of earth. These help to constitute the happiness of the redeemed. Can you see the connection? The whole concept and purpose of the honeymoon is to get away from the job, get away from the business, get away from, well, let's stop and go back. What did that text in Deuteronomy say? You shall not go where? Out to war. Or what? Or, or engage in business. Hmm. Not go out to war. What have we been experiencing in the last 6,000 years? War. We're in a war zone. This is a battlefield that we're in. And so he says, when you get married, you're not to go out to war. In the new earth, there will be no war. Our war will have been finished. It's done. And the concept here, hmm, shall not be charged with any business. Just keep that cooking on the front burner here. Turn up the heat a little bit. So in the joy and the thrill of a perfect honeymoon, God is saying, your day of peace and rest is coming. Cheer up. Make blithe. Hold on a little longer. The physical should teach us about the spiritual. In the physical, as we see these events happening around us, as we, you know, we go and we watch our friends get married, or, or, or we look back on our own experience, or we anticipate in the future a relationship that we can have, we anticipate the spiritual. And then Christ becomes all the more real. Wow. As I connect here on this earth, it reminds me all the time of that connection we can have and we, and we will have in eternity with Christ as his bride. So now, Deuteronomy shall not be charged with any business. Stay home. No war, no business. Rest. Where do we find that concept in the Bible? Are there any other places in the Bible? Day of Atonement, right? But it's more frequent than that. The Sabbath. Yeah. There's some common ingredients here. Okay? You sit. Okay, this is a silly example, but you're sitting at the table and you're, how many of you turn around the box of whatever it is you're eating? And you find, hey, there's some ingredients in this list that you have in this box of stuff over here. Hey, it's got some, some of the same stuff. It's talking about the honeymoon here. It's got some common ingredients to the concept of the Sabbath. 
stay home, rest, make blithe, enjoy. Sabbath was made for man, Jesus said. When the Pharisees tried to hedge it up with just a stiff formalism. But he said, no, it's for you to enjoy your relationship with me. Sabbath was meant to come together to God, to enjoy and to, to draw together with him and with each other. In Patriarchs and Prophets, we read, after resting upon the seventh day, God sanctified it or set it apart as a day of rest for man. Following the example of our Creator, man was to rest upon this sacred day, that as he should look upon the heavens and the earth, he might reflect upon, upon God's great work of creation that as he should behold the evidence of God's wisdom and goodness, his heart might be full of love and reverence for his maker. Did you have a quick question? A comment that okay. just came to me now. Um, you know, the concept, the word here, I don't know what it is in Hebrew, mm -hmm. but at least here in the King James, it's saying with, with no business, right? So mm -hmm. it didn't say work. Right. So it's like this concept, Work is a blessing, but like this business yeah. is, is okay. for gaining of money or some kind of self-preservation of life, but we won't need that part of it right. later. Now, there's a connection here that just kind of reminds me of another thing, too. And, and where am I at on time? Just so I know how to gauge this. 7.37. Okay. Do you realize the two things that we have today that came out of the creation week are what? Marriage. Marriage and the Sabbath. What is being attacked more than those two things in our society today? Nothing. Okay, why? Because... It's all about relationship. In both of those concepts, marriage and Sabbath, is a revelation of God's character. And when we enter into that rest, we behold God's character. As it were, like we, t we alluded to yesterday, it's piercing that veil. It's entering into a deeper relationship with God. Now think about the, the process of how this came to be. So in the Dark Ages... What was the development of Sabbath obliteration? The, the chronology of events, let's make Sunday a day of what? Feasting, joy. It's a party day. What was Sabbath? You are commanded to fast on the Sabbath day. It's a day of mourning. Okay? That was the very first step in the obliteration of the concept of Sabbath. Make it a day of mourning, okay? Now, did the institution, and these were the church people who should have known, did, did the leaders of the church, the spiritual guardians of the people, 
Did they have any recommendations about the marriage too? The concept came in very early that the marriage and the marriage relationship was carnal. And you could not have that relationship in a holy and a sacred relationship with God at the same time. So, so what did they do? They put men in the monasteries so they could be very sacred and holy and set apart. And they put the women over in the convent so they could be pure and sacred and holy. And in their eyes, this was, this was put together, uh, this was developed so that they could become more holy. And what did God say? No, in the concept of marriage and union and coming together, that is where you gain the capacity to truly know me. Amen. Do you see how they've taken the whole thing and completely turned it over? Okay, so even today you run across this sentiment. I've heard people talk about, be very careful what you do on the Sabbath day. You know, and I've met people that the wife would hardly let her husband kiss her on the Sabbath because, I mean, hey, buddy, be careful. Do you see that's the seeds of the very same thought that you can't have this and this at the same time because it, it will pull down my spirituality. And God says, no, 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 you've got it backwards. It's in the loving relationship of the home. <coughs> the Sabbath is sacred, Right. The marriage is sacred, right? They go together. And throw in this. In the book, Mount of Blessings, Thoughts from the Mount of Blessings, the term is thrown out as God created marriage and the Sabbath. These are twin institutions. Whoa. What does that word mean? What is a twin? Very similar, identical. Up at summer camp, my wife and I participate in a, in a summer camp, teach classes. There was a set of twins that came to summer camp. You know, and it's been a long time since I've been around a set of identical twins. And it was just fun to have them in my class and just to watch them. They dressed alike. They took the same classes. And they just did this orbiting together. They were such fun kids. And I think Sabbath and the marriage, twin institutions. Why are they twins? Why are they called twins? Is it just because they originated about the same time in the creation? Or is it because on a spiritual level, there's something very close to identity there? Write this down. Adventist Home, page 340 and 341. This is why it's talking about marriage and family and the Sabbath. She says, these are given to man as the law of highest blessing. Amen. Think about that. Highest. How far, how much more can you go than highest? You can't. The law of highest blessing was why God gave us marriage and the Sabbath 
Don't let Sabbath become a burden or a wasted day. Don't let your relationship, your marriage, your prospects of, of redeeming the time just become a drag. God gave us this time to step away from the warfare of daily life, to step away from the business. But then somebody comes at you with Isaiah 58. <clears throat> what does Isaiah 58 say about the Sabbath? We should not do our own, finding our own pleasure. See there? Stay back, buddy. Have you ever heard this text used in the context to be careful what you do? Okay. And so, you know, I'm intrigued by this. Well, you know, maybe that's what it does mean. Be careful. So I looked at, so yeah, so I looked up the word and it, you know, and I might get this backward or forward. I don't have my computer here and I didn't write it down, but this is just kind of winging it here. But look up the word pleasure in that text, Isaiah 58. And I believe the word chapet or chafet, something like that. And looking in the Strong's definition, it has to do with doing your own thing. Doing your own business. Okay. Well, that could still apply. And so I started looking, uh, you know, around in my Bible. Where does this word pleasure show up? Oh, yeah. The angel comes to Abram and Sarai. And he says, you're going to have a child. And what do they do? They laugh. Ha, ha, ha. You've got to be kidding me. And Sarah says, What? Me, at this age, shall I have pleasure? Look at the word she's using. It's not chafet or chafet. It's delight. She's not talking about going out and mowing the lard. She's using, the word she's using has to do with go to the tent and tie the ties off. She's talking about a relationship experience. It's two completely separate thoughts. So when you go to Isaiah 58, that's not talking about a relationship. That's talking about your day-to-day -day business, what you use to make your money. Just throw it out. Don't believe me. Just go home and check it out. Read, the, read your Bible. Read the words. Look it up. Find it for yourself. So... You know, as I started looking through my Bible, as I started thinking about this, the Sabbath really started doing this right here. And, you know, and I don't know if you've noticed, but these flowers here, the glads, when we started this conference... There was hardly any color. It was all down here, right? But yet, as time goes on, it expands and it grows and it buds and it blossoms. God told us to behold these things. And as we behold them, our understanding of Him would be like this. 
wow. And it's like it gets more and more exciting as you see it. There's, there is a connection. There is a purpose. There is a meaning to life in relationship and connection. And then his principles, the Sabbath, and what he is, is drawing our minds to. Eternity to come, the new earth. Wow. This is going to be like here on this earth. We start a relationship. It progresses. We get to know each other better. The relationship is getting ramped up, ramped up, ramped up. We get married. The dial goes way up. But over time, what happens? Most often, it starts coming down a click at a time. But yet, in eternity to come, with our Creator, we're told every day is going to be a what? an advancement of the previous. Every day. The dial does not go from zero to a 100. The dial does not have numbers. It just has clicks all the way around. And every day is a click forward. Every day. And so, in 186,000 gazillion years from now, every day will again be a greater advancement in our capacity to know and understand the love of God. Amen. That's the only way you can get Windows 7 in a little pocket calculator. A piece at a time for eternity. It's the only way we can do it. Our brain does not have the physical capacity to hold God. But given enough time, and we call that eternity, we arrive closer and closer and closer and deeper and deeper and deeper with a connection with Him. Yes. And the way I like to look at it is God borrowed from eternity and brought us some time and gives us a piece of it every seven days. And he says, here, here's the Sabbath. Enjoy eternity right now. Stop, put away the war, put away the business. Spend your time with me and with each other. That's what Sabbath is all about. And here it is. This is what? <laughs> this is the Sabbath day. Wow. That's right. Don't let it become a burden. Don't let it become hedged in by, by formalism. In the Old Testament, you see so many texts, go home, stay home and rest. In the New Testament, you see Jesus' example was to go to the synagogue, to go to the temple, meet with other like-minded believers and share your contagion, your excitement, your joy is, it's the Sabbath. And, and, and stew on this together and praise and extol the Almighty God for what He did. And then go home. You see the example. Where did you look? Jesus, He shows up in the synagogue. He shows up in the home. In many stories you read, the setting is, it's the Sabbath day. He's in somebody's home. They're sharing. There's a lesson. 
Other times you read in the narrative, and he's out in the field. He's out in nature. They're walking through the field, and he's saying, look here, look there. This is me. This is the kingdom of heaven. Wow. So in his sanctuary, we spend time praising him. In the home, we spend time praising him in the relationship with each other. And in the field, in the world of nature, as we walk around this place, tune up your senses and look at what you're seeing. And let it do this to your imagination. Let it blossom and grow. Twin institutions, we're told. There's an identity that they share. It's the law of highest blessing. Don't waste the Sabbath. Every week, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, we look forward in anticipation to the Sabbath. We prepare for the Sabbath. And every week, that is a dry run for preparing for eternity. Amen. Ask yourself, how do you prepare for the Sabbath? Is it Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday? Oh, no, it's coming. And Sabbath, I mean, sadly, you know, we've gotten into this rut before. It becomes Friday, and it's a race to the finish line. And we make this flying leap. You know, these slow motion pictures of the, of the baseball game. The flying leap, the guy's in the air, and the hand hits home base. Wham! Just before the, the, the guy at home, home base takes the ball down. And, ah, and the other, you know, safe! Is that what the Sabbath is all about? No. You know what? Do that too many times, and you're going to find out that's how you're preparing for the second coming as well. Put it off. Just put it off. Put it off. Put it off. Put it off. Character development. Okay. Again, put this in a wedding context. It's 2 o'clock. It's time for the wedding to begin. The bride pops out the back door. Just wait. And you can, she doesn't have shoes or socks on. It's like, just wait a minute. Would that shock you? She's not ready. That would be horribly embarrassing. No. She's ready for that event. She's ready on time. She's ready long before. And she's just waiting. Isn't that a lesson for us? Don't put it off. Every week we get a trial run. Get ready. Get ready for the Sabbath. Anticipate it so that when it finally comes, you're just bouncing off the walls. It's here. I'm trying to be careful here. I'm trying to be subdued because I can, I, I just get up and stand on this podium here. Um, because it is exciting. It is awesome. And we have every right to it because this is what God planned for us and this is what he tells us in his word. Amen. Does the spiritual world out there tell us this? No. The spiritual world out in the world around us is 
it's Sunday, go to church, do our duty, clock in, clock out, go home, mow the lawn, work on the car, it's dead. The Sabbath, well, take it back to the honeymoon. Put the honeymoon at the beginning of the relationship. What happens? Put the intimacy of the honeymoon at the beginning of the relationship and what happens to the rest of the relationship? Crashes, doesn't it? It's all out of order. There's no anticipation. There's no continued joy. It fizzles. Happens every time. But you put it in its proper order. The Sabbath comes at the end of the week, after the war, after the business, after the picture. And then it gets better and better and better. It's purpose in our hearts today to make this connection as we enjoy the Sabbath day. Let's really commit ourselves to not let Satan steal our blessing. He has worked so hard at damaging our relationships with each other so that out of pain, out of damage, we lose the capacity to trust. And so we, we just give up. A close relationship, I don't know, it's not really for me. And we effectively let Satan steal our present, our gift, our greatest gift that God has, gift, has, has given us. And we just say, oh, well, is that what you want? No. Hunt him down and take that blessing back. This is a gift from God. Don't let anybody steal it from you. Let's pray. O Lord, most holy Father, on this sacred Sabbath hours, may our minds be truly freed from the war and the burden of life that we experience every day. May our hearts be in tune with you. May our hearts be unfettered and free to see your glory, your beauty of character. And may our hearts be free to pursue that. Lead us to this end, to show us the way, the truth, and the life so that while we're here on this earth, Lord, we might truly find the joy of each other in a closer walk and in that sea that you, you are longing for the same thing with us, to enjoy a relationship with us in a closer and closer connection. In Jesus' most holy name, amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse a website dedicated to spreading God's Word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.